Yeah, that there was a nice size hammerhead that came up to me and he wanted to give me a kiss. Welcome to From the Ground Up, where we talk to reptile keepers and breeders about all things cold-blooded. Sit back and have a beer with us. Well, some of you are driving. If you're driving, keep your hands tended to and enjoy the show. All right, guys, so it is obviously Shark Week. Thank you guys all for being here. We're going to act like the first five minutes of this episode. Now going on seven minutes, not a great start, but hey, we do our best. You know, that's what I get for trying new things. You know, sometimes the sound works, sometimes it doesn't. But thank you guys so much for being here. This is a special Shark Week edition of From the Ground Up podcast. And I'm super, super pumped to talk about sharks. But first, portcitypet.com. Go check out uh, different bioactive if you have reptiles and amphibians, we have some bioactive substrate as well as isopod and isopod substrate. So, yeah, go check that out as well as we have a bunch of animals available. And I say we and it's just me, but you know what I mean. Well, I guess kind of. So I have I have someone who works somewhat part time for me now. So I guess I can say we with confidence. Shout out to Jeremy, who's been helping me out. Uh, he's here in the Philly area and he's actually coming over. He comes over every Wednesday and helps me clean the collection and prep some some boxes and prep some different things to to get started or to get ready for the upcoming crazy week and uh yeah he's been a super good help around here and other than that um check out snake discovery so snake discovery obviously emily and ed over there have been doing some great work as well as they're opening up a zoo soon so please go check out their youtube channel they are hatching out a lot of crazy bull snakes as well as hognose and different uh, a bunch of different species of snakes uh, you guys are probably already you guys are already subscribed to their YouTube channel, but uh, yeah, check out the animals that they have available as well. Other than that, I think that's really all I have to say. Other than the fact that I'm super pumped, I got a uh, I got a package today from Focus Cubed um, from Ashley and her husband. They actually build uh, custom cages, and they they have these awesome uh, PVC enclosures in which I already have two upstairs but uh, today i got a cube which i'm going to use for my baby lychee so i'm super pumped so thank you to ashley and her husband for hooking that up and uh yeah and check out focus cubed other than that today we have an awesome guest on today not only is he a herper but we're not going to talk about herps but he is also a diver he is um, president of operations of ocs as well as uh jungle to sea so Ryan Reed, thank you so much for being here. What's going on, Joe? Good seeing you. Not much, man. How have you been? Oh man, been doing good, doing good. It's uh, you know crazy times right now, but uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah doing good. I I, I wore my uh, my shirt in light of these times. I don't know if you can see my social distancing champion there. See that <laughs> social dis- distancing champion? I can't talk right now. So. <clears throat> It shows here. Can I pull this up real quick? Yeah, sure. Okay. For social distancing, you know, we all have to do that, right? So I'm looking at statistics, and statistically, millions of Americans have contracted COVID, right? But it says here that there are zero, zero cases of Sasquatch uh, con- contracting COVID. Uh, so, like I said, there's social distancing champion right there. No, 
no Sasquatch has contracted COVID at this time. I mean, I would think he's probably a hominid. I think he's pretty much at risk here, but. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope he's doing all right, especially the ones who have asthma and different um, respiratory issues. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it's always it's always just, you know, best to keep your distance from everybody. <laughs> That's for sure. I try so, to keep my I try to keep my distance when I when I die with sharks, you know. I try to, you know, social distancing with with people when I die. Doesn't seem like that's always possible. No, no. I can stay 6 feet away. Um, you know, I still die with a buddy, you know, but you know, stay 6 feet away. <laughs> At least I don't think uh I don't think your breath really travels that well when you have a what is it called, a respirator? Um well, so yeah, you <laughs> so you got your scuba uh, okay. and, and so you got your regulator and, uh, um, the, the problem though, is that it's not your breath. People tend to pee in their wetsuits. I don't know if pee will, will transmit pee. Pee's actually uh, pretty sterile. So probably not, but I, but I do pee a lot in my wetsuit. Well, that's good to know. I think regardless of the times, <laughs> <laughs> So how did you first get interested not only in diving with sharks, but just in animals in general? So animals in general, uh, since I was tiny, I mean, I was three years old trying to pet bees. Um, you know, my parents kept on saying, you're going to get stung. You're going to get stung. And I got stung, but uh, <laughs> I, I loved animals from a small age, uh, started collecting reptiles and amphibians at a small age. Um, I think I was five when I got my first snake. So it's, it started from a very young age. Um, growing up, I always had reptiles in, in my bedroom. Uh, you know, some of the stuff like I, I had tarantulas that, uh, my parents when I was younger did not want me to have. So I'd have it in my underwear drawer, you know, I'd freak out my mom when she would, uh, you know, put clothes in my room <laughs> and she opened I'm up the drawer. The drawer after that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so yeah, how did you we, make the transition from, from like reptiles and invertebrates to, you know, diving and sea animals more so than. So, um, in grad school, um, I went to Coastal Carolina University, did their marine science um, program, uh, Coastal Marine Wetland Studies. I met uh, Craig O'Connell. So Dr. Craig O'Connell now, um, he does a lot with Shark Week. And uh, he was actually my roommate in grad school. And um, he thought I was pretty crazy because I had a bedroom with about 300 venomous snakes in there. And he's like, well... And I had like a 17 foot, um, Python and Burmese Python. And, you know, it was, I had a lot, I had a bunch of retics and stuff like that. And he's like, you know, if you have all these animals, then you can go diving with sharks with me, you know? <laughs> so, so that's how it started. Um, we went, we started diving together in 2008. He was doing research on, um, on a chemical repellent for sharks that pretty much taking a dead shark, taking the chemicals from that dead shark and using that as a repellent. Um, and then he moved on to, um, 
magnets and uh, using these magnets as uh, a repellent, uh, putting putting them on uh, nets to uh, to keep sharks and people safe from one another. Um, so I, I started going over to Bimini with him, and uh, we just we hit it off. We're we're you know two peas in a pod. So so did uh, he strap some magnets to you and see if you got eaten? No, no, he hasn't done that. Um, probably it, it should have been you know something that we should have tried on some occasions. <laughs> No, um, we, uh, he would actually deploy these, uh, PVC poles and he'll attach magnets to it. And then, you know, we would have bait or he would also put magnets in, into a, uh, um, like a, like a sock that, that had bait in it too. And to see the response of sharks, um, to, to repel them, you know, with that stimulus of having uh, food there. Um, so, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we, I probably should have had magnets hanging on me on a couple, couple, uh, dives, but yeah. yeah. I feel like also I need to, I need to kind of elaborate on the fact that you said like, oh, he's kind of involved with shark week, but he also, he's been in many shark weeks, but he also kicked off shark week last night with Tyson versus jaws. And, uh, he had a, you know, he had a role in that. So, I mean, that's, that's huge. Yeah, yeah, he's he's done a lot with with Shark Week um, every year. He's you know, uh, and he's what's really cool about Craig is that he not only does the science, but he also is doing the cinematography, you know, and, and doing a lot of filming now, and uh, that's really cool. That's really cool that he's been able to do that because a lot of times, you know, you, you can get a separation you know, from the general public to scientists. And so he tries to bring in a lot of this, um, a lot of the science, science to the general public, which is, which is good. And if you can do it in a way that's entertaining, then, you know, it's going to reach more people. Yeah. I think that that's something that people kind of lose sight of, especially animal people, right? We're like, cause we can be in the lamest of lame television programs that aren't exciting for the normal person and we can be interested in it. But you got to realize, especially something like, you know, you watch Tyson versus Jaws last night. Obviously, that's a ridiculous concept, right? You're like, yeah. oh, you know, it's set up like Tyson's going to fight a shark, right? But at the end of the day, it's that's how they draw people in in order to talk about the science and conservation and educate people yeah. about sharks. Yeah, yeah. And what I liked about that is that so they were doing um, they're doing tonic immobility with the shark, right? So they're, they're taking the shark, putting it upside down. The shark's in this tranquil state, kind of like getting knocked out by Mike Tyson, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I saw that connection and I thought that was pretty cool that they did that, did it that way. You know, at the end of the show, Mike Tyson put that shark in tonic immobility, which, which was kind of cool. He grabbed a shark by the nose. I mean, like that is, Extreme, you know, that's an extreme thing I feel like to ask for someone who literally has never, you know, been with sharks before, it seemed. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, it doesn't matter how how much you you control a situation. Um, they're wild animals and they can react anyway, you know. So, yeah, it, it, give them a lot of props for it. Yeah. So when did you, what were kind of some of your introductory dives that you did with Craig? 
Well, um, one year that we went, and we, like I said, I've been going since 2008. Um, we, uh, we missed a couple years just because we both had kids around the same time. Um, so we took off a little bit of time. But uh, one year, we went to uh, Great Isaac Key. And uh, this, was, uh, this was a fun trip because it's about 20 miles. So we're, at, we're in Bimini. Uh, Bimini Bahamas. That's where we do most of the research. And uh, we we leave Bimini. And before we left, I'm like, you know, Bimini's Bermuda Triangle. I don't know. I got my GPS, but just in case, I'm, I'm going to have my handheld. And so I take my handheld, uh, you know, my handheld GPS, just basic GPS, um, you know, compass, just not GPS, but basic compass. So I, I take the map, I plot it like, okay, we're ready to go. So we get out there to, uh, to great Isaac and, uh, we're catching sharks. We're measuring them. We're doing all this stuff is, you know, really fun. And then Craig looks back at the boat and we're taking on some water. We didn't realize that we're taking on this much water. We're like, Oh, okay. Well, Let's, you know, let's turn on the, uh, the pump to kind of the bilge pump to get this water out. Yeah, bilge pump wasn't working. So, so now we're like, oh, well, we got to get out of here because now there's a bunch of sharks around us and our boat is sinking. So I turn on my GPS and GPS is not turning on. And it was, it was charged batteries, everything, and it's not turning on. I'm like, oh, no. This is not good. We can't see Bimini, you know, 20 miles away. So anyway, long story short, I was able to take out that map and I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope, you know, this compass is, is right. I hope I did everything, you know, correctly here. And uh, we were able to get our way back. So uh, it was it was a, an experience. Um, like I said, it pretty scary, but uh, but, you know. There's something to be said about the Bermuda Triangle. Now, is that just like, I mean, obviously it's folklore in a way, but there's got to be something to it, right? Yeah, I mean. I mean, how many times have you been down there? Though? Well, we, I mean, I go, we go a lot. That's a, that's really the only time that that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know. It only takes one time. <laughs> only takes one time to be lost at sea. <laughs> I don't know. It looks it looks like you're relaxing in this picture. So. Oh yeah, yeah. So that actually that picture was taken um, for the Reptiles magazine. You know uh, where I don't you know in the beginning of the magazine they have you know the photo contest. So I was in Bimini and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a picture here. See see if I could. Could win anything, so good old Zoom Ed. It hooked me up for that picture. Yeah, I like how you brought in you brought in reptiles regardless of you know exactly. Hey, you know I I grew up with them, love them, so yeah. So what what kind of like work are you doing down there? What's a normal day for you guys? So for me personally, or in general, you personally, but also in general. Okay. So, well, so for me here, you know, I, I work for the state. You know, I, I do um, marine 
my, my job is I could go into a whole episode about my job just alone. Um, but I work for the state and I, I work on the um, coastal side uh, doing uh, uh, resource stuff, resource management stuff. So, um, but down in Bimini, um, primarily there we're looking at um, for the like the magnets. We're doing trials, making sure, you know, that we're testing different species, making sure that this this actually works. So we have controls and then we have the experiment and uh, just just testing to see what species react um, to these these magnets. Uh, you know, sharks, they have the ampullae of Lorzini. So the little gel, little dots around their their nose and the jelly filled dots. Um, these are receptors that pick up magnetic fields. Um, and so if you have a really strong magnetic field, a lot of times they respond negatively towards that. Um, so, it, you know, it doesn't hurt the, the shark. And, and that's, that's what Craig was really wanting to do is he wants to protect the sharks and also protect the people. Because if you're going to be able to protect the people, then you're going to have more support to protect the sharks. So, um, but so yeah, Absolutely. we did that. Yeah. And then how, I mean, how did that evolve over time? Did he end up having some type of product in which successfully warded off sharks? So he's, he's worked with other, um, other people on getting product lines out there. Um, but right now I think he's focusing more on, filming and on the uh, nonprofit OC's Conservation Foundation. And he does a, uh, a summer camp every year with kids and uh, doing a really good job with the summer camp. Kids love it. They, you know, have same kids coming back each year. Um, it, it's a really good program. You know, you, you got you to gotta get them started at a young age, you know, if, if you really want to change things. So. What is shark camp like? Um, it's, it's crazy. They, you know, you get a bunch of kids together and they help Craig with, with all the research that he's doing, tagging sharks. Um, he, he kind of, you know, doesn't go super in depth, you know, they're, you know, they're younger kids. So, uh, but it, it gives them a baseline of shark research and, you know, it, it gets them interested in, you know, future, you know, future research and, and, you know, hopefully you don't want to, you don't want to make it too complicated for them. So you want to get their interest kind of, kind of like what we were saying before with uh, the shows, you know, you, you want to grasp the general public. And I think he does a great job uh, with the kids. They, they do learn a lot um, and it gets them interested in, pursuing that further is 28 years old too old to go to shark camp <laughs> well you know so yes that's too old to go to shark camp. <laughs> but um i think it's uh horizon charters has a uh guadalupe trip um so guadalupe mexico with uh, white sharks and craig uh is a lot of times he's a uh you know the guest you know the, the the star person for the trip uh so if you want to meet craig um sign up for one of their charters uh, and uh, i think there's one in coming up soon 
sometime soon. But and then Jungle to Sea, you know, we're we haven't done a whole lot right now just because of all the COVID stuff. But um, you know, we're we're looking at once things settle down, we're going to start ramping up and, and doing uh, eco tours. So, so what kind of things do you do with Jungle to Sea? So it's it's pretty much uh, similar stuff to what we've done in the past over in Bimini. Um, it's designed for people that are interested in wildlife. You know, it, it's not a it's not a trip if you want to go and, and sip margaritas, you know, on the beach. You know, it's you know, we, we kind of rough it a little bit. You know, we we like to immerse with the locals a lot. So we'll get a house, you know, and we'll. We, and it's a small group too. Uh, we, we generally don't like to do more than like six to eight people at a time. And, you know, we, we do a lot of, uh, a lot of shark research. Um, we do topside uh, tours, you know, uh, looking at the local fauna and flora and uh, just, you know, get a lot of, a lot of interest with people who like to do photography as well. Um, and, you know, we just try to, try to open people's eyes to, you know, the science side and, and just a natural beauty. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it works a lot of people that have done it with us before, uh, love it. You know, they they had a great time. So is that something in which you need to be like scuba certified to do? So, yeah, when, if you're going to be doing the the diving, yeah, you should, you should be uh, scuba certified. Um, now, with that said, you don't have to be. You, we go in water that's 20 to 30 feet deep on average, and you can snorkel in that, you know, that type of setting. So, um, you know, if you're not scuba certified, that's, that's not a, you know, a necessity. Um, you know, it's always good to be certified, but uh, you don't have to be. Um, there are people that go on the trip that just, that just snorkel and don't, don't dive. But, uh, so what kind of sharks are you looking at in a trip like that? And kind of what are the locations that you go to? So when we first started in Bimini um, in 2008, we would go there and we would see a lot of reef sharks, a lot of nurse sharks and, and that sort. And then um, each year we would kind of we would find different hot spots. And I mean, first couple of years we didn't see any hammerhead, great hammerheads, you know, and now we go, we see hammerheads all the time up close, personal. I mean, we, yeah, there's uh, you know, a couple pictures of me with, with the uh, hammerheads and um, you know, they get really close to you. Um, especially if you're, you know, if you're diving, you can get down on the bottom and they'll come right up to you a lot of times. Um, but so uh, nurse sharks, Reef sharks, lemons, um, hammerheads, bulls, tigers on occasion. So we'll get, we'll get a, you know a lot of a lot of cool animals coming in, and then you'll also see uh, you know a lot of stingrays, um, spotted eagle rays, stuff like that. Yeah, that there was uh, a a nice size hammerhead that came up to me, and uh, he he wanted to, he wanted to give me a kiss. <laughs> So what is your, what's your comfortability around a situation like this and kind of what are you thinking? 
So believe it or not, um, before you know, a few minutes before this, they thought I was sleeping on the bottom <laughs> of the, on the bottom of the ocean because I was just just real calm, go, my you know my chest going up and down. So they're like, "What is he doing?" And what I'm doing is I'm just getting real calm and allowing that shark. You know, I, I don't want to be super excited because the sharks are going to pick up on that. So, and you don't want to be flailing around. They have, they have a lateral line that, uh, that actually, it goes along the, the sides of them that they can pick up on uh, pressure changes. And so a lot of movement in the water, they can pick up on that. So if you're calm, collective, um, you know, a lot of times you can get them to come in pretty close. So this guy, I actually wanted him to come in real close like that. Um, he did, and, and at one point, you know, I, I try not to touch the uh, marine life, you know, let them, you know, do their thing. But he came in so close that I pushed his head away from me. And this just shows their cognitive ability is that he circled around. And as he was coming back towards me, I put my hand up again and he actually put his head down, kind of like flinching. Like he knew from the last time that I pushed him away. It was, I don't know, it's pretty cool. So is this just like general curiosity? Yes. Yeah. He had no sign of aggression uh, whatsoever. It was it was a curiosity thing. These these sharks, you know, unfortunately, um, because people go there so much, they're they're actually conditioned now to uh, come up to boats when the boats parked there. You know, um, over over a certain area. So they you know, they're conditioned sharks that that come in now and he was probably just looking looking for food hey do you got food you got food and so um but uh but yeah it was it was a nice you know really cool encounter um and and we see him a lot now is that often that you get to be like in quotes hands-on with an animal like that does that happen very often um it it happens quite a bit yeah i mean the, the shark's you know, Bimini is world famous for, for sharks. You know, they, there's a lot of sharks in, in uh, the Bahamas in general. And um, if you want a close encounter with a shark, the Bahamas is a good place to go to, to get that. Um, I think on that, I'm trying to remember, on that day, uh, that's my wife there actually uh, with that stingray. And she was with me with that hammerhead and I, I think she was she's scuba certified and i think she um i think she was i don't know if she was scuba diving or if she was snorkeling at that point um she's she's not as as good with staying in the water as long as i am i can stay doesn't matter how cold the water is i'll stay in the water for eight hours you know i just i, I love being in the water uh, she gets cold easier so she was up near the boat and <laughs> that hammerhead started swimming towards her and started leaving the group and was just curious and he started swimming up towards the boat at her. She was a little nervous at that point, but, uh, but she was all right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Big, you know, 14 plus foot hammerhead. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but talking to, you know, talking about curiosity, um, there was a, another time that I was, diving near uh what we call turtle rocks and it's just this rocky outcrop and 
there is uh, there's some lines, some fishing line. There's a like I said, a lot of fishermen in Bimini. It's world famous for fishing. So there's a bunch of line, and I hate seeing trash on on the rocks and the reefs. So I went and I started pulling the this line out, and it was kind of tangled pretty tight on some of the rocks. So the rocks are kind of popping. And this was early on in going over to Bimini. And so I'm, I'm there, I'm pulling stuff out. Then I look up and I'm like, <laughs> I'm by myself, but I'm, I'm next to the rocks. I'm like, all right, uh, it'll be good. You know? And actually that time I wasn't, uh, I wasn't scuba diving. I was just snorkeling. Uh, so, so I was doing free diving. So I was going down, pulling it, uh, the line. And then I see this like dark shadow over my head. I'm like, huh. And I'm thinking, well, is it, is it getting cloudy? You know, because a lot of times when the clouds come over, the, the water starts getting darker. I'm like, huh. I'm like, it's getting cloudy. And then I st- just started popping again, you know, pulling the line, got the line. And then I look up and there's this reef shark over my head just kind of like what's going on down there just checking me out so you know nothing nothing bad um he was just very curious you know um just wanting to see what was going on he you know they can they can sense that you know sound they they're really good with detecting picking up sounds so uh he uh he's checking me out it was kind of so are are reef sharks kind of the the thing that you're going to encounter most often in those yeah. situations. Yeah. Yeah. Reef sharks are, they're everywhere. Yeah. You, you'll see a lot of reef sharks. Um, and then, like I said, you know, hammerheads are, are more seasonal. Uh, we try to go in the spring to see the hammerheads. Um, and then, you know, we've been seeing a lot more bulls as well coming in. So bull shark, bull sharks are cool. <laughs> I like bull sharks, but um, yeah, how concerning bull- is that? Bull sharks are – so he, here's the thing with bull sharks. Bull sharks are ambush predators. So just as long as you make eye contact with them and they see that you're making eye contact with them, usually you're, you're pretty good. Um, there, was a, there was a dive that I did uh, for one of the, the shows that we did for uh, Shark Week. It was Sharks Among Us. And I was a safety diver. And yeah, here's this now. Now this is my video here, so it's and it's unedited, so it might be a little shaky. Um, you got some nurse sharks there, and then uh, and then you got a bull shark in the background. We had probably four or five bull sharks. There's a bull shark coming in right there, and um, so they're doing the shoot. Uh, Paul DeGelder was actually on this shoot as well. And uh, Craig and Paul were were down, you know, communicating. And I'm, you know, with a, with a um, PVC pole. You know, we, we don't use anything that can hurt the sharks. We just have a, a PVC pole to push them away. And uh, so I had this pole and I'm looking around trying to keep these bulls away and um one one bull i was like man where is he at and i'm looking around looking around and he he must have went off because you know you can't even though the visibility is good you know you go you know 
I don't know. That's probably, I don't know, I would say 50 yards and you're, you can't see anything. You know, I, you're, you're looking at maybe like 20 yards um, that you can really see fairly good. So he's, he's out of, out of sight for me right now. Um, and then I turn around and he is right behind me to the point where all I had to do is shift my fin to kind of smack his side and then he took off. But, <laughs> uh, but what they're doing is, you know, they come up behind you cause they know that, you know, you're not looking at them. So, um, after, that was me kind of stirring it up there a little bit, but towards the end of the shoot, the, the sharks started getting a little bit agitated, um, with what's, what was going on we were in their domain for a little bit too long i think so um they uh what a bull shark with it what you want to look for is you want to look for uh, arching you know kind of like what a cat does arches that back and then um the pectoral fins on the side they push down their pectoral fins and then they start getting um some eradicate eradicated movement um and then they'll they'll actually hit the 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 bottom the substrate and kind of stir it up to uh to make it cloudy um and then that's that's their domain um that's why you see a lot of bull sharks they go up into freshwater rivers uh here in south carolina you know i'm in charleston uh, we have a lot of bull sharks and uh, a lot of the attacks are because it's it's super murky uh and the sharks come in contact with with people like in the surf it's it's very low vis um, and it, it's usually a, um, just, a, a curiosity type bite. Um, it, but once, once you see those interactions in that type of environment, it was time to get out and I'm like, okay, we're, we're done for right now. Cause the, the biggest thing is you don't want to stress out the animals. And, um, you know, it, if you start seeing signs like that, you know, it, it could be, um, some stress too. So, so we, uh, we respect the animals in, in that sense. And, uh, and we also, you know, want our, you know, our crew to be safe. So you get out of the water then, but those are things to look for. Um, there was a, uh, another time <laughs> my wife and I went spearfish. Well, I went spearfishing. She was my safety diver. When I, when we go spearfishing, we're always, uh, have a buddy system. And um, in the Bahamas, you cannot shoot a mechanical gun and you can't scuba dive. So it has to be free diving with like a, a pole spear, um, that, that sort of device. And um, so we're out and I shot a couple fish and usually we're close to shore. So I'll get a fish, throw it up on the shore. So, you know, I'm not attracting any sharks, but it was getting a little bit later in the evening. And that's kind of a, the time that a lot of the bull sharks uh, cruise around near near the shore um, later on in the evening. And um, she saw the bull shark. Didn't tell me about it until after we got out. She's like, yeah, I saw a shark. And I was like, well, what did it look like? I don't know. And showed her a picture of a bull shark. Yeah, I think that, that's what it was. <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, it was just, it was just cruising, cruising by. And, uh, uh, another interesting thing about that dive is that, um, it started getting really murky. So 
it was starting to get, you know, closer to the later afternoon. And then it started getting real murky. I'm like, man, what is, why is it getting so murky? The water's clear. The waves aren't real rough. You know, we, we don't have a lot of sediment coming up. So what, why is it getting so murky? And then I realized that it was a huge cluster of jellyfish that had come in with a tide. And we were surrounded by thousands of jellyfish all over the place. That was uh, that was interesting. Luckily, um, you know, I I had a, a wetsuit on. I only got zapped a few times, which wasn't bad. But, yeah. So, like, what kind of jellyfish are we talking? I'm sure I don't know anything about jellyfish, but I mean, it's certainly not something that could be totally harmful to you, or what? No, no. These were real small. Um, it wasn't like you know, like a box jellyfish or anything. They were small jellyfish. I'm actually not sure. Of what species they were, but they're, they're small, small jellyfish. It, it, and I, when I say small, there are some small jellyfish that are really bad that can really mess you up, but these, these weren't. Yeah. So as far as like spearfishing goes and stuff, I mean, do you do that often? Do you do that at home? I mean, um, is that something in which you like get a fish and then you can eat it for the night or how does that yeah. work? Yeah. So, so a lot of times on our, our trips, um, we will go out, we'll spear fish, and and that's what we'll have for dinner. Um, the the nice, well, the bad thing about the Bahamas and a, a lot of the coast right now is the invasion of the lionfish. Okay, lionfish. Every single year we go there, there's more and more lionfish, and you know they wreak havoc on reef fish. So lionfish are really tasty. I don't know if you ever had lionfish, but we've actually shot lionfish and we've shot hogfish. And the hogfish is awesome. You know, great tasting. But we did like a side-by-side, and I know people are going to not believe me on this, but more people actually like the lionfish than the, the hogfish. When we did a blind taste test, so um there's the a hog fish does not look does not look like it would taste good by the way you, you know it doesn't look it but man they are <laughs> they are tasty they are very tasty this um, is one of the weirdest looking creatures it, yeah yeah it is pretty crazy looking but it, it's really good to eat yeah yeah so now you got to shoot a lot more lionfish than you would uh the uh the hogfish but um, the, the lionfish, it, it's, they're so invasive that it's, it, you know, it, it's a, a nice challenge to go out there and see how many lionfish that we can shoot. And we can feed a ton of people <laughs> with lionfish, uh, because there's so many of them. So. Now, is this a fish that I, I know it's popular in the pet trade? Is that how it became invasive? Um, yeah, I mean that there are, there are. Yeah, there, there are um, documentations where people would uh, there are doc- documentation where people would let go of the fish in, in um, you know in the wild and, and they would reproduce. So yeah, that's that's the uh, the biggest reason why they're around. So and unfortunately, they don't have any natural uh, predators here. Um, you know, they're Indo-Pacific. They're you know over here they they don't have natural predators. I mean. Now there, there have. Let me rephrase that. There have been some documents of like grouper, 
eating them. Um, but that's that's few and far between. I mean, the, their reproduction rate uh, compared to um, the amount of predators um, that that are in the area for uh, for consumption on them is, you know, they, they're going to reproduce a lot faster than they can be consumed. Yeah, so that is something that I know in Florida, it's a thing to eat lionfish, right? There's a bunch of restaurants and stuff, a bunch of people serve lionfish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, that's becoming a big thing now. And it's a great thing because, you know, it, it's a sustainable, <laughs> it's a sustainable industry. Yeah, there's a group eating a, eating a lionfish there. That's um, super cool. And that's a, it's a venomous fish too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have been envenomated by a lionfish and it's not fun. Not fun at all. So, <laughs> um, that to your snakes. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so here's the thing, a lionfish, my, I'll tell you my experience with a lionfish. Um, <laughs> I was pretty stupid and, uh, one of the, the first times that we, we got lionfish, I was like, ah, I don't need to cut off the spines. I'll just clean it, you know, with the spines intact. Well, knife slipped a little bit, stuck me in the finger. And um, it doesn't matter if they're dead. They can still get venom in you. Um, so I got envenomated, and it was like a, um, a pulsating pain. So it comes on real strong, kind of goes away, comes on real strong. It attacks the nerve receptors, you know, kind of like, um, kind of like Gila monster, you know, beaded lizard, um, centipedes, you know, a lot of, a lot of those have, um, the, the venom attacks that the, or affects the nerve receptors. So I wasn't, I wasn't going to pee on my hand. And, uh, so I'm like, man, what do I do? Craig was like, cause Craig was with me. Craig's like, man, do we have to get you care flighted back to Miami, Florida, you know, cause you know, we're on this small tiny Island and I'm like, no, no, I'll, I'll be fine. And, um, so, uh, five shots of one fifty one rum that, you know, <laughs> that did, you know, take some of <laughs> passed out, woke up next day. I was fine. So this is yeah. something that's not necessarily life threatening, but very uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, it's very uncomfortable. And it can be life-threatening. It can be. Because here's the thing. With, with any type of with any type of protein or enzyme from, from any type of venom, um, you, have to, you have to watch out for anaphylactic shock. And every person can react differently to, to the venom structure. So um, always, you know, if, you know, if you get bitter stung, you know, always take you know, precautions and, and go to the hospital, you know, if you can. So unfortunately there wasn't a hospital there, <laughs> but it wasn't, it, it wasn't a, it wasn't a severe envenomation too. It, it was, it was a light, uh, prick, you know, on, on my, on my hand, it wasn't severe, but, um, I mean, like I said, it, it, if I was at home, would I have went to the doctor? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and is that something that has spread all the way up to South Carolina? Yeah. 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 I actually, I think they're in the summertime. So they will actually, um, they'll actually move along, um, you know, like the, the Gulf stream, they'll, they'll ride that Gulf stream up 
And so in these warmer water, I mean, you go offshore in South Carolina, even in the winter time, you go into the Gulf Stream and, you know, you're in 70 some degree water. So, it, you know, they, they will move. I mean, I, I know they're up in North Carolina and I think parts of Virginia even. Wow. So do you spearfish at home? I do every once in a while. I haven't been in, you know, it's been a while. My son's two and a half. I probably haven't been spearfishing since he's been born. I've been busy chasing around a two and a half year old. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of diving here, here in South Carolina, a lot of shipwrecks. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty good area to dive. You know, a lot of people, um, spearfish the jetties. So, yeah. So what is it like, like going to check out a shipwreck? I mean, is that just a place in which there's going to be all types of marine life around? Yeah, generally. Um, so the nice thing about shipwrecks is that it creates a, a, a structure, a habitat for, for fish species. Um, there was a talking about a shipwreck. So there is this uh, this ship called um, the Hesperus. So, and this Hesperus is you know uh, it's probably about twenty miles off of Bimini. And we went out there one day, and we're like, we need to get barracuda for uh, for the the shark research. So we're trying to get bait. So we're catching these barracuda uh, to use for shark bait. And I I think maybe. Jeez, oh, half an hour we caught 10 of them and I'm like man we're just destroying these barracuda you know we're, we're catching them left and right and uh so anyway i was like hey craig you know you want to jump in the water see see what we can find he's like yeah sure so we jumped into the water and we didn't even put a dent in that population there were hundreds and hundreds of barracuda swimming around this ship because it was, you know, the rest of the area was, was pretty much a desolate wasteland of just, you know, just sand. There wasn't anything there. So, so these fish species are, um, you know, coming here to, to get shelter. And it was just, it was just crazy how many barracuda were swimming around. So we're, we're there, we're spearfishing and, and uh, then a, uh, a black tip came in and uh, stole <laughs> stole one of our fish took off with it is that a situation where i mean do you have like a bunch of dead fish in a bag in which you're basically just shark bait so when we shoot a fish so if you see this picture here um that actually so i shot that was a, a second shot um craig actually shot it in the side um and he was using a hawaiian sling um which projects the spear out and it shoots into him and then that barracuda started swimming around in the circle and he was yelling for me to get over there he's like we got a fish in the water an injured fish in the water so i got over there and uh you know finished it off it's kind of going around in the circles and i was able to to hit it in the head and with a paralyzer um tip and and kill it um but we got that thing out of the water super quick because if you have an injured fish in the water it will attract sharks so what we do is when we shoot an animal 
uh, we get it out of the water as soon as possible. And we have people topside uh, waiting for us to, to pass them off the fish. So we always, we always have people in the boat topside. And then we have, you know, at least two people that are together spearfishing. Whoa. So, I mean, this thing that what you call the paralyzer is like three prongs of death. (laughs) That's what you usually use. So I have, I have a couple different tips that I use, but that one there is generally uh, the one I go to, especially for smaller fish, because uh, when I, I shoot them, it will hook into them pretty, pretty easily. Um, and it, it does the job, you know, it, it's pretty efficient. So I use that a lot. Um, some of the bigger fish, if we were going for like, uh, some of the bigger, it's like snapper. Um, sometimes I'll use, uh, a tip that will actually come off and there'll be a line to it. So it'll hook into the fish and then I can, there's a buoy up on, on, top of the water and that line's attached to that so then we can retrieve it or have someone at the top bring it in and retrieve it so what is the the idea behind that like is that just species of fish one tends to like live longer or what what's the reasoning behind that oh what was that again like why why would you hook a line to that one fish and while others you can dispatch you know right away? I, I got you. I got you. Well, um, so I don't know if I sent you the picture of a the mutt and snapper that I that I got, but that was thirty one and a half inches. It was maximum size. So because of that, um, you know that's a big fish, and if you're if you're hooking them with like a paralyzer, they can actually come out of it a little bit easier um, because they're just so strong. Um, and also, you know, if you get a big fish, you don't want to be wrestling with that fish um, when you can, you know, have it hooked to a line up at top and have someone bring it in quick. Because like I said, the, the key to spearfishing, especially in sharky water, is to bring that fish in as, soon, as quickly as possible um, so you don't have a bunch of sharks getting into a feeding frenzy hmm. and, and a, a lot of, a lot of spear fishermen, um, have tied fish to the sides of them. And, and that's, you know, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Um, because, you know, like I said before with bull sharks, you know, they're ambush predators, you know, you got a bull shark coming up behind you, you don't notice it's there and you got fish, you know, laying next to you, you know, laying next to your leg. Um, that's not, not a good scenario. Understandable. Yeah. So, uh, so is that like red snapper? I know that's something that people, um, fish here in the United States. So is that what you're typically going for in South Carolina? No. Um, so there's red snapper. Um, no, um, they're, I think right they're now, yeah, right now um, here um, it's illegal for red red snapper. Um, so you know we fish for whatever in season. Um, down in you know, like I said, I I don't do as much spear fishing here as I do in the Bahamas. Um, and in the Bahamas, um, you know, mud and snapper, hogfish, um, you know, even the um, Atlantic triggers, uh, stuff like that is is you know. And barracuda, you know, for the shark. Now, we don't eat the barracuda um, just because barracuda feed off of 
uh, a lot of reef fish. And so they tend to have a high um, bacteria load. And if you don't, if you don't prepare barracuda correctly, it can kill you. So um, we, we don't mess with a barracuda. Gotcha. Maybe not the best thing to, to feed to people who are paying you to bring them out for a good time. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Darren Watson is an interesting question. Obviously on the barracuda, the spear didn't go all the way through, but typically does the spear just go like straight through a fish? Well, it, it, it depends on what type of tip that you're using. So the, the one that Craig was using, um, the Hawaiian sling, it actually has this long rod and then the tip has this little, uh, it's a little hook that kind of is, is on a, um, a swivel and, or a, a hinge It's on a hinge. So when it goes in, goes in tight and then it opens up. So it went all the way through and just stuck in it. Um, it, it wouldn't come out, but the fish obviously was so big that, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't dead yet. So, uh, it was still, you know, swimming around more like in a circle thing, but it was, we wanted to get it out of the water quickly. And for me, you know, when he uses his Hawaiian sling, that spear, he, he dispatch, dispatches it, it's gone. He, in other, um, and, and then, you know, for him to get it, he would have to get another spear from the boat because he only brought one with him. So for me, I got a Hawaiian or I got a uh, pull spear that has a rubber band that I pull back and it shoots out and it's, you know, nine feet long. So I can actually, once I let go of it, the rubber band is still attached to my wrist so I can actually bring it back. Um, so it was a, it was easier for me to finish him off that way instead of him going back to the boat to get another spear, come back out, try to finish him off. But you have this fish connected to you, basically. So what now? So you, with that yeah. setup, you have this fish connected to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why I only use that paralyzer hook for, um, you know, either in that situation, it was a wounded fish. I know it wasn't going to take off on me uh, or smaller species uh, because, yeah, it is connected to me. But with that said, um, I have a quick release on there. So for some reason I hit something that's that's too big, I can quick release and, and you know remove myself from the spear. Just a, another safety device, you know. So who like teaches you how to do these things? How did you first get interested in doing this? Oh jeez, I don't. I I've, I've hunted my whole life. Uh, I'm a big bow hunter, and uh, you know I I thought well you know if I'm diving you know we're you know, I kind of natural. Yeah, you know, I, I see people, uh, you know, see people doing it, and uh, I I don't know. I, I just I guess I guess uh, going to scuba shops and <laughs> uh, and seeing you know the the gear there, uh, and just start talking to people about it. And I had a couple buddies from Hawaii that did a lot of spear fishing, and you know they kind of told me what gear to get, and uh, went that route. And I love it, man. I. You know, it, it, it's fun. It, it's, you know, fishing is great. I love fishing too, because you, you know, you don't know what you're going to, you don't know what you're going to get, you know, you're up there on the top and, you know, it's always a surprise on what you're bringing in, but uh, there's something to say about spear fishing too. Spear fishing, you know, you got to hold your breath. You got to, 
you know, dive pretty deep and you got to fight all these external factors, you know, you know, you gotta, you gotta fight that fear of, you know, other predators around you. You gotta fight the fear of, you know, drowning, you know, um, when, when, when you're diving deep, you know, that, uh, CO2, uh, CO2, uh, I can't talk CO2, um, increase in your body that, that right there, um, that's what makes you freak out. Um, it, it's not lack of oxygen as much as it is the CO2 buildup in your system. And so you gotta, you know, fight that, you know, that urge to, uh, come up and get air. So I don't know. It, it's fun. So I guess even if you find the fish that you're looking for, you got to have the breath or at least the timing in which you have enough breath to go down and get it. Right, right. So what I generally do is I look for an area that, you know, I like to shoot lionfish. And lionfish are pretty easy to shoot, to be honest with you. Uh, if someone wants to get started in spearfishing, uh, lionfish are, are great. Um, so I'll find a structure that, that has, you know, a lot of these fish on there. And then, you know, I prepare myself, I look, which way am I going to go down? You know, am I going to go, am I going to go down in an area where they're going to be, uh, able to swim away? Or am I going to go down to an area that they're up against a rock? I'm always going to choose to come down where they're backed up against something because it'll be easier to, to get them that way than going from the opposite direction so you know there's some sort of uh you know uh, a plan that you have to put in place when you when you spearfish so it's it's you know it's it's real fun you know i don't know is it something in which i mean are you to the point where you go out for a day can you get swamped spearfishing or do you generally know know what you're doing oh yeah oh yeah you can go out and you know i mean there's times where when i first started spearfishing I was, I was not hitting anything, you know, <laughs> and the paralyzer hook, uh, or the paralyzer, um, head helps out a lot because it, it has more surface area. So since it has more surface area, you're going to be more on target. Um, if you're using a, a small, uh, small head, then it, it, it might be a little bit more difficult to shoot something. Plus when I first started, I started out with a Hawaiian sling and I tell you what, the the worst thing is when you're in 40 feet of water and you shoot one of those out at a fish and you miss it and now you got to swim down 40 feet to retrieve your spear and you don't have anything to show for it yeah that kind of stinks <laughs> <laughs> and is this something to where you have to be precise because i mean obviously say you're hunting for you know an animal on land a mammal you obviously don't want a gut shot you know, yeah. a deer yeah. or a mammal or something like that. Is there a similar thing in fish? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 best thing to do is try to get the best shot on the fish as possible. I try to get cl as close to the head as possible. Um, and you know, with that said, even when we're fishing, um, I, I sever the the spine when when I bring that fish in. I don't, you know, I don't bring a fish in and just stick it in a cooler. Um, you know, I'll, I'll actually kill it. Um, and, uh, you know, I, no animal should suffer. So, um, you know, it's a quick, um, ethical kill is, is always best practice, no matter what, no matter what it is. 
And how do you prepare a lionfish? How do you not get envenomated? Like, obviously, you know. Yeah, like I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you want to cut the spines off. Uh, You know, all the venom is is in their spine. So when you cut that off, you know, you you cook the fish. You know, it's venom. It's not a poison. So, um, you know, everyone that's listening probably knows the difference between the venoms and the poison. So, you know, it's you're you're cooking it um it it, you're not going to have an issue um not like a not like a like a blowfish or you know puffer fish you know um you know that's that's one of those rare you know circumstances where the the venom is actually a poison as well and doesn't denature um you know with with the heat and uh, that can kill you but that's not that's not the case with with lionfish so um you just cut the the spines off and then you fillet it up you know, and it has it has pretty smooth scales, so um, you can do you know you can cook it with the skin on or, or with it off. You know, just do a straight uh, fillet. The venom's like a squirt of lime on top. Or? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll come out with a cooking show with lionfish. <laughs> yeah, man, I would love to. I don't like fish, but I would definitely definitely try a lionfish. Yeah, yeah. I'll be on that show. I'll be like, oh I, oh, I got stung by that live fish. <laughs> That's what that would be good TV. That's what yeah, the yeah, producers are looking for. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what is it like? I mean, speaking of like producers and all this stuff, what is it like to work on a TV show, you know, especially with sharks and, and all that? Yeah, I mean, it was great. You know, a lot of hard work. Everyone that works to produce a show works extremely hard. Um, and you know, it, it, long days, uh, but very rewarding to see the end result. You know, it's, everyone has a specific function, you know, whether you're, you know, whether you're a top side camera guy, whether you're, a uh, you know, under the water camera guy, whether, you know, you're an audio guy, you know, you, you all have your different things that you have to do and, and, you know, you got to work together as a team and, uh, we had a we had a big big crew so uh but yeah it was it was you know real fun and all these guys have experience doing this or yeah um so mark rackley of rackley productions he was our um underwater guy for sharks among us and um he did like jackass um he was on i think um was it the um Close Encounters, I think it was, with uh, Manny Pooing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Mark had a lot of experience there. Um, Dallas Chillers, uh, he's um, he does um, he's a cam- main cameraman for I think um, Doctor Oakley, that show. So a lot of yeah, there's a lot of experience. So these people have awesome jobs in which they found out how to work with animals without, you know, yeah, in a totally different way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was amazing working with them. Um, a matter of fact, we worked. We did a we did a shoot at night, and um, th- it was a little it was a little hairy because we were in. So we we're in like the little Bay Area of um, Bimini in between North Bimini and South Bimini. And so we're shooting, we're doing a night scene with bull sharks 
And I had to go down and help Craig set up the, uh, the big magnet, uh, the big magnet fencing. And when I, when we were down there, we're getting it all set up and there's bull sharks swimming around us and it's getting, it's kind of murky. And I look over and they got a, a shark cage and they're filming us inside the shark cage and we're not in the shark cage. So I'm looking at Craig. I'm like, man, these magnets better work <laughs> because there are bull sharks all around us and we're not in the cage. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, we got that set up and I'm down there helping Craig with this, this fencing and I wrap my leg around some sort of pipe that was down there. And let me tell you, that trip ended a day early for me because I thought I was going to lose uh, possibly my manhood <laughs> because I got fire coral, like a rash all up my leg. My leg it was was so swollen. It was like two legs. It was just it was horrible. And I actually I was trying to find a picture of that. I have it around here somewhere, but. Uh, you probably don't want to see it actually, but wait. So, was, what is fire coral? I'm not familiar. It's it's a stinging coral, um, and I my I just had a bad reaction to it. My leg like, turned purple, um, and it was. It, and it, to be honest with you, at the time, I really didn't notice it too much because, you know, I mean, it's getting close to evening, and you know, I got these bull sharks around me, and you know, it's. I wanted to get, you know, I was more concentrated on the bull sharks than I was <laughs> fire coral. Um, but yeah, it, it was pretty bad. Um, so we, we got the, the fence set up. You got Craig down in the, in the cage. He did that night shoot. It went great. And then we're like, okay, well, we got to get all this stuff back to the house. So Craig had his boat. And then I had a rental boat. Uh, and if you've been to the Bahamas and you rent equipment, some of these smaller islands don't have, you know, the, the best equipment because they just, they just can't afford it because, you know, to have a mechanic there, you know, it, it's costly. And then to get parts, it's very costly. So I'm renting this boat and I have – it's over – over $100,000 worth of camera equipment on the boat. And Craig's like, all right, we got to get back to the uh, to the house. It's dark out. So I'm following Craig, and we're going through this little, this little channel to get out into the ocean. And granted, Bimini is, like the Gulf Stream is 100 yards off of Bimini. I mean, it's super close. And, you know, there's a lot of current there. So we're coming out and a storm's coming in. My engine, one, so I got a dual, you know, dual engine. One of the engines goes out on the boat. So now I'm operating with one engine. I got all this gear on the front, on the bow of the boat. And my, my nav lights go out on me. So now I have one engine. No navigation lights. It's dark. And now we're getting six-foot swells coming in. And it's just crashing over the boat. You know, it's not a big boat. It's like a 24-foot boat. So we got 
I or I got waves coming in because I'm following Craig. So I got waves crashing over. I'm like, oh my gosh, I hope I don't lose this gear, you know? <laughs> so, and not only that, but we're going through an area that has all this coral outcrops. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to navigate and I got my flashlight that I'm going like this with a flashlight trying to, you know, get right behind Craig. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I was more I was more scared there than I was diving at night with bull sharks. Ooh. That so if, if that tells you and the bull sharks they're not bad. When you're on a broken down boat in the middle of a storm with a hundred thousand dollars worth of gear, that's scary. <laughs> but you made it. I made it. Yes. Yeah. Craig and I made it. And, and the thing about it is that going into this little channel to get to the house, it's a, a fairly narrow chute. So you got to kind of, one of the ways build up is you got to just, you just got to hit it right. And doing it at night with all those issues that we we're having, it was a very tense moment. Yeah. But it was fun. It was fun. The next day I laughed about it. You know, <laughs> that night I cried about it, but the next day I laughed about it. <laughs> That's the thing. Like those are the, not the best of times while you're going through it, but at least you can look back and say, that was crazy. That was fun in a weird way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with that said, with, with my job here, uh, working for the state, I'm, I'm on a boat a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that's on a a weekly basis is, uh, you know, so it's, you know, I do have, uh, experience there, but, uh, but it's still, it's still nerve wracking when you're in that situation. But what is it like? Like, I think people's, it's one thing to be in water and people are nervous about being in the water, right? Like any open water, but at night is even worse. So I couldn't imagine being at night with bull sharks. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it can be, yeah, it can be nerve wracking. The, the good thing about the scenario that we are in is that we did have, um, we did have a wall because it was like this, this pier that came out. Um, and then, so we had this, this wall against our back where the fencing was. Um, if we went out a little bit further where the, the pier head was at, um, you know, then we would be in, in more exposed area, but it was somewhat controlled where, uh, we did at least have our backs up against something. And like I said, um, before bull sharks are ambush predators, they, they come up, you know, they like to come up from behind or they'll go after, you know, injured animals and stuff like that. So, um, in in our case, it was not an ideal situation, but it was more ideal than at nighttime in complete open water. So you at least have that control there. And, uh, is that something in which, I mean, that situation, you just have that like PVC pipe again? Yeah. Yeah. So we just push them away. Yeah. Once they know that we're there, that we see them, they're they're fine you know it's it's really the the attacks that you see um are gonna be um you know just like a an attack where the the animal is it's a curiosity bite or it's an attack where you're in extremely murky water it's um 
you know, a real um, sediment, the, the turbidity is really bad, you know, sediments uh, everywhere and it's, you know, you can't see very well. Um, a lot of times, um, you know, when you have like a lot of people along um, the coastline getting into the surf, um, you'll, you'll get attacks there. Um, so it's, it's very rare to be attacked by a shark. Yeah, very rare. Um, you know, I, I'll go swimming to me, to be honest with you, I, I trust sharks more than I do most people. <laughs> yeah. So what is what has been your closest encounter? I mean, what other types of sharks have you been with? Obviously bull sharks are, you know, some of the most popular as far as, you know, that's the, the shark in which, uh, at least here in the East coast, you know, like the shark river in New Jersey, there's a lot of folklore around that and uh, great whites and tiger sharks. These are all sharks that are considered in quotes like man eaters and stuff like that. What other big sharks have you encountered? Well, the, uh, the hammerheads, um, they're, you know, they're another big one, but the hammerheads, you know, you know, some people consider them dangerous just because of their size, but they're not, you know, they got the small mouth underneath, you know, their, their head. It's, I've never, I've never felt threatened, you know, I've never felt threatened really other than, um, that time where the, the bull sharks started getting, uh, a little agitated that we're there. Um, that's really the only time I've really felt, you know, eh, we need to get out of here. Um, you know, most other times it's, you know, they, the night, like I said, the night diving, um, it, we had the bull sharks around and it, it was a little nervous at first, but I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was being threatened or anything like that. Um, but yeah, so what I've dove with the, uh, lemon sharks, you know, obviously nurse sharks are everywhere. Uh, the Caribbean reef sharks, you know, tiger sharks, hammerheads, you know, bulls, you know, that, Wait, so when did you encounter a tiger shark? Uh, one of the one of the trips that we were doing where we were filming um, the, the uh, Great Hammerheads, uh, a tiger came in. And uh, actually, there were several, several times where tigers came in, but they were kind of on the outskirts. They were you know, being a little bit more, more shy than some of the other species. Um, and... Uh, you know, one, one came in pretty, pretty good on uh, one trip. Very, you know, very calm, just cruised in and cruised out. So can you uh, poke that one away with a stick too? Is that you can, you, yeah. you can, um, like I said, none of these sharks, once they, once they know that you've detected them and that you're not prey, you know, they're good. You know, we're not very tasty, you know? So, uh, they're, they're really not, not after us. Um, and you also have to look at, uh, risk versus reward. So the risk of injury in, in an animal is not necessarily, uh, worth the reward that they get, especially when they're tasting us that we don't taste good. So they're, you know, they're not likely to, to attack, um, you know. I think it's it's weird as just a, a person who hasn't experienced that because I feel as though 
in those shows they tell us at all all the time that say they don't have that attitude but then again the whole show is kind of designed to make you feel like they do have that attitude so you don't really know like what reality is so and, and i think and i think the reason why that is is you know shows need to make money you know they yeah. they need to get ratings, you know. So having that little bit of fear, you know, it's kind of like you know watching a, a you know train wreck, you know, you know it's horrible, but everyone watches it, you know. It's it's one of those things where, um, you know, if you know, kind of like what we've talked about in the beginning, you know, some of these nature shows, you know, especially if you if they're real scientific, you lose interest in them really quick but if you have some sort of excitement you know to to hold on till the end and then at the end you know they they pitch the uh conservation uh initiatives and stuff like that and you're like you know that you know it's you know you take away a lot from that um you know and and like i said they they are wild animals so just because the uh, the chance is extremely low for, for any type of attack. They are wild animals, you know, you know, it's, you know, Steve Irwin, when, you know, he was doing his shows, a a lot of that was in a controlled setting, but he still had a, you know, a chance to get bit, you know, and, you know, it's, it's like any, you know, any wildlife show the the chances are, are there. Um, so, you know, they're just mitigated to the best of your ability. Right. Exactly. And like I said, it's, there are, in almost, you know, every situation, every shot is set up to, to, to try to, um, to try to make sure that everything is controlled as much as possible, you know? So, you know, being a safety diver, we're looking at every single, you know, uh, area of, of the shot and, and saying, okay, what can we do to make sure that everyone stays safe? Because, you know, if, if someone gets bit, it, you know, it doesn't matter how much money that that show makes, you know, if someone gets bit, that's that's not a good thing. You know, I'm sure that reflects upon a, you know, conservation scientist or someone who's doing research or I'm sure that reflects negatively instead of positively. No matter yeah. The show. Yeah. Right. Right. You, you always want to, you always want to make sure that the animal is in the best light, you know, and, you know, animal attacking somebody is, is not, not going to show the, the best light, the, and it doesn't show confidence on the count of, you know, the safety divers. And I'm sure, you know, your job is to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. So. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's one of those things where they're not, you know, very rare, uh, very rarely will, will a shark, will, you know, a shark attack you very rarely will it attack, but um, there is a chance so trying to mitigate all the, um, the negative, um, chances is, is what we're trying to do. So. All right, Ryan, I'm ready. I'm ready to do, uh, go dine with the sharks. Yeah, there you go, man. There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll go diving. That's yeah, that's for sure. So, uh, Bimini is a great place to dive, you know? Um, 
and actually, uh, not only not only sharks, but we dove with uh, some dolphins as well. Uh, and uh, there is, we were out, uh, we were out in between Bimini and I think it was Great Isaac that we were in, in this body of water. And we we're talking about, you know, it'd be cool to, to go dive in with some dolphins. And we heard that there is a pod of dolphins in this area. So we went there and sure enough, they're spotted dolphins. And so we jumped in the water. And I think that's on my, that might be on my jungle to see Facebook uh, page. I might have a video on that. Uh, either that or you can see it on, I think, YouTube jungle to see on youtube i think i have that on there but we started diving with these dolphins and literally they were they were coming up so close i would i was like this i had to you know tuck my hands in because they were right up in my face and um they uh they're getting a little frisky though um so they they started corralling my wife uh towards her and or towards them and uh so we had to, uh, after, after a while, oh yeah, there it is. Yeah. So, um, they, I don't know if, so there's my wife there and they started swimming around her and kind of trying to get her separate from us. And do and, they know, like, is there any reason why they picked her? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she is cute, so. <laughs> like, is there some type of like pheromone thing going on do they legitimately have some you know they, differentiation between male and female yeah 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 they can they can sense so they uh they were kind of getting her off to the side there and then um you can actually i don't know if you can see it in one of these videos but um at one point some of them were actually uh mating um, but anyway, they, uh, with each other, not you, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, they started getting her and one of them jumped like right over top of her, almost landed on her. It's crazy. Uh, and that's Craig there. Craig's filming them. But see, we, I mean, we can't even put our arms. Out. I had that little GoPro camera and they were getting so close to the camera. And then once we, got her away from them and brought her back to us. They, they all stopped and just looked at us and then turned around and, and took off. It was, it was kind of, kind of crazy. So, so they're like, Oh, like they're coming to you just as much. They, yeah. They took, so we saw them. We we're coming back. Um, I think it was from uh, great Isaac. We we're coming back. And we saw this was a, a different time, not the uh, not the time that the boat was sinking, but a different time. And uh, we were coming back, and, and we saw we saw them, and we're like, "Hey, let's jump in the water, see what they do." And they they came up to us. So, but yeah, I think towards the end of this video, I don't know where it's at right now, but uh, yeah, if you go towards the end. All right, see that one just jumped right over, and that one just see how yeah. it jumped right, almost landed on her. And uh, at that time, we're like, ah, you know, they're they're getting a little, a little too friendly. So, and then this part here, we took her and see them just swimming off. They're like, all right, 
we, we don't like, have it. So they were like, screw this. We're going home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. That's yeah. wild. That was, yeah, that was fun. That was that was a good interaction. Um, but that just shows you that, you know, you got to treat all animals with respect. And, you know, you don't want to try grabbing them and, and thinking, oh, hey, you know, these are just dolphins. They're not going to do any harm. It would be very easy for one of them to, you know, even not knowing, you know, not doing it on purpose, but, you know, landing on her or dragging, you know, there's been uh, whales that have drug people down to the, to the bottom of the ocean. And, you know, um, they don't know, you know, you're just you know, a, going to a whale. Yeah. I mean, if they're just playing, it might be playing to them, but you know, you, you can get injured. So it's always, it's always good to uh, have, you know, have respect for the animal that you're, that you're around. So in a way I'm more weirded out by the dolphins than I am the sharks. Like the dolphins seem to be toying with you. Yeah. Yeah. I know. They, I know it was, it was a uh, crazy little situation. <laughs> it, it was fun though, but yeah, it was afterwards, you know, when we talked about it, we're like, wow, that was, that was a little, that was a little interesting. Uh, I don't know if it was a, the best, you know, situation we could have been in, but uh, yeah, kind of interesting. So what do you do with guests in comparison to what you do, you know, personally with all these different encounters? So when we have people go out, it's, it's definitely a, a more controlled situation, you know, mitigate, you know, all the, the risk factors there, you know, just you know, make sure that everyone's enjoying themselves. Um, and Craig and I will actually die first and we'll, you know, we'll just look at the area and, uh, you know, scout it out, making sure that it's safe for, for divers. And then, you know, we talk with the divers and say, Hey, look, you know, are, are you good? You know, are, are you fine? You know, kind of like what uh, they did with Tyson, you know, they're talking with Tyson, Hey, making, making sure that he was, he was good with a dive because, you know, the last thing that you want is someone to freak out when they're in the water. Um, you know, especially if they get into a hairy situation, which, you know, a hairy situation to myself might be totally different to someone else, you know, or vice versa. You know, if, you know, I might be in, in a situation where like, man, this is like super calm, super chill. These, these sharks are great. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the, uh, I, I don't know if I posted it. I got a, uh, a, a Caribbean reef shark video where the reef sharks are swimming all around me and I'm just like super chill. It's, it's just fun. But someone else might get freaked out by that um, just for having so many sharks swimming around them. So, um, you know, you just want to make sure that their mental state is, is there. And we try to, um, we, we try to, you know, determine that before they go diving while they're diving, we're constantly, you know, looking at them, making sure that they're good. Uh, we're taking a lot of breaks. All right. We're down for 15 minutes. Let's, let's go back up, you know, uh, start out snorkeling, you know, even if someone is certified, uh, certified diver, like, look, you know, let, let's snorkel first. And, and then, you know, then we can get into the diving and also, you know, like we were talking about, earlier like with the regulators and stuff like that your bcds um you know we make sure that all that 
is is top notch. Uh, we, you know, we rent a lot of gear while we're there. Um, you know, people can bring their own gear, but a lot of gear is rented. If it's rented, we're not going to take someone out in 80 feet of water and have them jump in with rented gear. We're going to start out in, you know, a shallow area and making sure that that gear is working good. Um, you know, do a top side uh, inspection first, then get in shallow water and then, you know, go from there. Yeah, that is, uh, I guess is the, and watching, watching the Tyson show, it seems as though they were really making sure that his reactions were controlled. So is that something to where, you know, you want to be calm and then the sharks will be calm? In yeah. Theory? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said before, um, they, they pick up signals, you know, they, um, you know, the ampullae of Lorazini that that's around their snout, they pick up those magnetic signals, uh, you know, the electro uh, magnetic receptors. Um, so those electro receptors, if, if you're, if you're um, really excited, your heart rate's going, they're going to be able to pick up on, on that. Um, you know, if you're flailing around the water, you know, they have the lateral line, which uh, detects pressure change. They're going to pick up on a lot of, you know, movement in the water. Um, you want someone to be as calm as possible. Um, so that there, uh, yeah, this shark, this um, shark video here shows uh, a magnet uh, and, and it shows the food to attract them. Uh, one set has um, a box with magnets and the other set, the control is just a box without any magnets in there and just in food. Um, and what we we have noticed that the um, nurse sharks aren't as um, they, they're not as as um, responsive to the magnets as some of the other sharks like the bulls and the and the hammerheads. So which you know nurse sharks, nurse shark can you know definitely put a a nasty bite on you if you mess with it, but you know they're they're docile they're pretty chilled sharks so mm -hmm. they're not the ones you gotta watch out for yeah and like i said you know in, unless you're in diving in murky water um you know and it's you know in the evening you know you really don't have to worry about sharks you know um some of the areas you know in in south carolina where bull sharks do come up into the rivers uh yeah you gotta you know be cautious but it's very rare uh to get bit very rare that that's that's a whole point that i want to you know that i want to portray to people is that a shark attack is extremely rare um you know they're big megafauna that that people love to watch because there is a, a fear factor there but um you know people need to be more concerned about getting in their car and driving to work every single day than a shark. So, or going out and contracting COVID. So, yeah, I think, I think it was something like, uh, at least they mentioned in the show, it's the average seven people a year get killed mm -hmm. by sharks, which is like ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Extremely low. We're scared you know, of yeah. sharks, but we won't wear a mask. It's something that's killed million, millions of people around the world. But uh, I know it's, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. 
Yeah. So, I mean, and, and, you know, it, and I think the reason why Craig, um, you know, like I said, Craig and I, we're, we're best friends, you know, we, we, uh, do a lot together. We're, you know, we're super, super close. And, and, um, I think that he, you know, he knows how I am with wild animals and especially dangerous or potentially dangerous animals like venomous snakes. Um, so I, I think that that's where we, we have a mutual understanding for these, these animals and mutual respect. And, um, we work really well together, um, with these animals and, and it's, you know, it, the same thing is to be said about venomous snakes, uh, uh, to the sharks, you know, the chances of you getting bit and dying from a venomous snake is extremely low. And if you get bit, it's probably your fault because you're trying to kill it or you're trying to harass it you know so you know yeah that is especially true with venomous snakes though right like Mm -hmm. you know their first inclination is not to bite you for sure right right yeah i've geez i've let's see here i've had venomous snakes for over 20 years and um you know always had top precaution working with them you know um, safety is always, uh, first thing, uh, free handling is, is, you know, it, it's not, it's not a good idea. Um, you know, if you got tools, use those tools and not only use those tools, but use good tools. Don't grab crappy tools that will, you know, don't grab a crappy snake hook on Amazon that you pick up a Gaboon Viper and it breaks midsection of the hook and then now you got to deal with this ticked off gaboon are there similar like sentiments in the snake world as the shark world as far as like free handlers and then i see some divers who like ride on the back of a great white or something like that is that is that treated the same way yeah i think so i mean it's showboating you know i mean Mm. um now now there are some people that I don't know, I guess feel connected to the animal, what have you. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it's, it's a situational, um, you know, situational argument, you know, I don't like to put hands on any of the animals. Um, you know, if now, if they're coming towards me, if I have to push them away, that's one thing. Um, but you know, you don't want to stress out an animal. Um, so if you can just sit there and admire it, then that's that's the best situation. Um, now, you know, obviously, with my research in grad school, I, I mean, I caught reptiles and amphibians, you know, for my studies. So, you know, I, I had to put, you know, put myself in that situation. So it, it is a, a situational, um, you know, determination on on what what you do. Um, so, um, but in general, if you're just going out and, you know, wanting to swim with dolphins or sharks, that's not to touch them. Yeah. If they come up to you, that's fine. You know, push them away. That's fine. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, putting them in, uh, tonic immobility, you know, they're doing that to either attach something on them like a camera, um, uh, or they're, they're doing some sort of, 
um, scientific research. That's one thing, you know, uh, and these are trained professionals that are doing it. You know, even with uh, Tyson, they're showing Tyson how to do this stuff. You know, it wasn't like Tyson's going down and doing it on his own, you know, there, and it's all in a controlled setting. So, um, so yeah, so every situation's different. Um, and you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that, um, you know, touching all animals is bad because, you know, it, it's not. Um, so. And is that is that like the same level of composure, or the same place that you got to go to work with like venomous animals as it is to be that close to a bull shark or something like that? Is it like is it a similar feeling? Yeah. So. So for me, working with venomous, um, when I was in the when I was in my snake room working with an animal, um, my wife knew not to go in the room, not to ask me a question or anything. I was in a zone. And the same way with, with sharks, you have to be on point. Um, and you have to know, you know, your situational awareness. You need to know what's around you. And, um, and, and yeah, it's same, same way with sharks, with, you know, venomous snakes, with any type of wild animal. Um, you know, you want to make sure that safety's first. You want to make sure that, you know, you have situational awareness. You want to make sure that you're focusing on what, what's at hand and, uh, and not get complacent and not get preoccupied with other stuff and not get cocky. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that, is that hard as far as over time you get more and more exposure? So you're like, this is kind of normal to me. Is it hard not to go like the next step? Yeah. I mean, it is, it, you know, every, you know, everyone has some sort of complacency that they, that they fall into, you know? It's, you know, and that's, that's, you know, like I said, that's with either, you know, you know, working with snakes, working with sharks and wild animals, um, your job related, you know, um, you know, part of my job is, is actually, uh, law enforcement. So, you know, you can't get complacent, um, in, in situations that, uh, that can turn out bad. You know, you gotta, you have to know you know, what's going on around you at all times and, and not think that you know everything because the minute you think that is the minute you're going to get injured so or killed. And I mean, that's kind of the appeal of that situation is that say like if I'm rock climbing or when I was in the military or when I was in basically kind of pseudo law enforcement, there's situations in which that's all you're thinking about. There's no, there's no way to think about anything else or else, yeah. you know, or else it goes bad. So like, I don't know, it's an escape at the same time as it is, you know, a severe focusing into something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you know, I, I talked to, you know, either, you know, my coworkers or, you know, talk to, venomous handlers and they'll all say you know man i i got close and i got close after i've had x amount of years of experience to getting injured or killed um so you know it's and that that just falls back on the being you know complacent so, so what are you working with now i mean how many animals do you have 
Mm, so I'm doing a lot with dart frogs now, actually. You know, mm -hmm. I I have, um, geez, I think I got the Azorius uh, froglets. I got like 35 of those right now and probably another 20-some tapples. And then I uh, ran Tamea. Um, I work with them and, and uh, the Dender babies. Um, I, uh, I have a lot of tropical plants, uh, you know, a lot of staghorns, a lot of Nepenthes pitcher plants, uh, Saracenia pitcher plants. Uh, I do a lot with those. Um, let's see what else. Uh, the Gila monsters and beaded. I have uh, a lot of those. Um, and uh, I still have, I have a cobra, monocle cobra. Uh, I need to get rid of that. But uh, Is that yeah. the, the last of your venomous? Are you phasing? Yeah, out? well, yeah, of the snakes, yeah, yeah, and I have tarantulas too. I have some uh, number of inverts, you know. Um, and I, oh, well, I do have a toy. I got a lot of stuff actually. I got, uh, <laughs> yeah, Burmese black mountain tortoise that uh, lives oh, outside cool. in the summertime. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I try not to. You know, everything that I have is that's you know dangerous is in locked cages in a locked room. And that is, you know, if you can't provide uh, the correct housing for these animals, then you don't need to have these animals. So that's, you know, I, I won't really, you know, harp on that too much. But, you know, if you're going to get something dangerous, make sure you are able to contain it safely. Now, you've been keeping venomous snakes for decades. So what was it like when you first got into venomous snakes and what did you start with? Oh, geez, I started. And how should people do it differently? Well, so when I started, it was, geez. Uh, so my, um, Jim Harrison was pretty much my mentor. He he started, um, he had this little uh, trailer that he would take to the Shelby County Fairgrounds. And I was just a kid. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you got all these snakes. And, he, you know, I'd, I'd go there and he'd be like, yeah, watch make sure no one uh, smacks on the cages, you know? So I'd be in there making sure no one's smacking on the cages. And, um, you know, then he started the Kentucky uh, reptile zoo. And, um, you know, so I, I learned a lot from him. Um, I was back in the late nineties. I was the president of the greater Dane herpetological society. Um, had a lot of uh, good old school herpers back then teaching me the ropes and, um, you know, definitely a lot different now. You know, you got social media, you got internet. Back then, man, we got books. I got a ton of books uh, on reptiles and, and really just, you know, uh, the meats, you know, going to the herb societies. And, and that's that's something that is kind of dying off um, just because of everyone's online now doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would recommend after, you know, this whole COVID thing gets situated, you know, getting involved in local, uh, local clubs. That's definitely a great way to, to learn from people, especially a lot of these old timers. They're not on social media. No. You know, they're, they're, you know, if you want some really good experience, you know, or, or good, uh, knowledge base, you know, hit these people up, you know? Um, so I, I still hit them up all the time and, and that, and also, you know, you never stop learning. So, mm. The minute I stop learning is the minute I stop breathing. So hopefully that'll be a long time from now. <laughs>
Absolutely. So what's what's making you kind of phase out after all these years? What's making you phase out of Venomous? Uh, two and a half year old. You know, I, it's not worth it. You know, it's mm-hmm. not worth even even if it's in a locked in room in locked in cages at some point, you know, he'll be more mobile and it's just, you know, it's, it's like, it's like my guns, you know, I, I lock my guns up in uh, safes, you know, and, and make sure that, you know, they're, uh, you know, completely secure. Um, that's, it's not, it's not worth it. Plus, you know, the stuff that I have now, I eat with the frogs and stuff. I am so, occupied with with them and it gets too low and i'm sure you felt this at some point it gets to a level where you're like oh my gosh it's a chore now it's you know it's not enjoyable anymore because i got so many you know you mean two weeks ago (laughs) (laughs) yeah right so um so that's the thing you know i i have a nice camera that you know i enjoy going out and taking pictures and seeing i like uh, in situ, you know, seeing these guys in the wild and, um, you know, I, you know, I, I mean, I still enjoy, you know, having the animals that I have, but, um, you know, going back to your, your first, your question though, in the beginning was my first venomous snake was not the best venomous snake. It was, uh, uh, Western diamondback rattlesnakes. So, um, Those are they, notoriously kind of moody, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they were, uh, more of a, more of a rescue confiscation type uh scenario um the place that they were at the guy had no no reason to have those animals um he treated them like pets and i you know i don't call any venomous animal that i've had in a collection a pet you know because it's you know you, you know you become complacent when you're like oh yeah this is my pet you know so, uh, I, I ended up taking those off of his hand and, uh, they ended up going to, um, or I actually went to a, uh, a nature center. Hmm. So I had him for, you know, a couple months and then I gave him to a nature center cause I moved I was in, you know, younger years, uh, moving out of the house, you know, so, so yeah. Anyway, but yeah, those are my first, first venomous snakes that, and then I had, you know, cottonmouths and copperheads and stuff like that. And then, and then I got, after a while, I got really big into, uh, cobras and, and all kinds of rattlesnakes, you know, neotropicals and stuff like that. Did you breed any venomous? Yeah. 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 I, I bred, you know, quite a few and, uh, I actually was on, um, what's that show? Um, snake salvation. Yeah. Is that the uh, one with the church? The, the yeah, they yeah, churches? Yeah. Really? yeah. So if you look, if you go on YouTube and look up Snake Salvation, Charleston, South Carolina, Repticon, um, they try to buy snakes from me at that. And I think I had, I, I think he was trying to buy some copperheads and maybe a cane break and uh, a few other things. Now, the whole situation was I was caught off guard. Um, I was actually running late for the Repticon, like I usually am. <laughs> so I'm like trying to set up stuff. And the venomous that I had, I, I sell to 
you know, a, a lot of um, zoos, uh, a lot of universities. I have a lot of connections with zoo people who work at zoos and people who work at uh, universities. So they have to have experience um, with the venomous before, you know, before I'm going to sell it to them. Um, in that situation, this guy came up, one of the preachers and, uh, you know, offered to buy some of the animals. And I asked, yeah, you know, like I said, I, I literally was down putting, getting stuff, putting it on the table and I look up and there's cameras in my face. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what's going on? So I was a little, off, you know, caught off guard, but, uh, but yeah, I ended up denying the sale. So I mean, they have plenty of experience, man. I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, you, I actually have it up right now. Uh, so it is, yeah. yeah, if you put in Repticon Snake Salvation, I'm not going to put it on because I'll be demonetized immediately. But <laughs> yeah, you're here and you're yeah. wearing a snake shirt or yeah. uh, shark shirt rather. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's that long. I think it's only a, a few minutes, but yeah. Yeah, was, yeah, I went back and forth with, um, I think it was Nat Geo that did that. So I went yeah. back. Yeah, I went back back and forth with the uh, legal department on on getting that uh, aired because I don't want it to be where they filmed me and then he's walking out with some snakes and then not have that you know that that transaction not take you know me saying no you can't buy these snakes um, but they did a they did a bang up job they did a great job with it um, and uh, I was I was happy that they they were actually you know showing light on the vendors. Yeah. And you actually, you did the right thing. That's why. Yeah. yeah, dude. I, nah, I, like I said, I, you know, I'm really, you know, that, that's the biggest thing. Responsible ownership, responsible, responsible pet ownership and, uh, or not pet ownership, but responsible animal ownership. But you didn't know, I mean, you didn't know that these were snake handling preachers though, did you? Not until they told me. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he did tell you. Yeah. Yeah. He told me. And, and so I asked him, I was like, well, what's your experience? And he's like, Oh, I'm a snake handling pastor. And, um, <laughs> you know, you know, not, you know, not to, uh, so first of all, you know, he's a, a guy that wants to buy these snakes, uh, to free handle them, which, you know, he shouldn't. And, and then I think he was from Kentucky, which. Yeah. He's pretty, out of state. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's illegal to have venomous snakes in Kentucky <laughs> unless you have a permit. So, um, so anyway, it's you know not if you're doing the Lord's work, Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lacey violation doesn't uh, include that, <laughs> right? <There you> go. <laughs> <laughs> nah, so yeah, yeah, it was a it was an interesting, interesting show. Um, but I'm glad they. I'm glad they put in a good light for. Yeah, because they, they could have edited that and totally screwed you over, screwed over the Rafticon, or made everything look right. poorly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they could have, and, and like I said, that's why we kept on going back and forth. Um, and and I think it was just me being like overly concerned, you know. And they're like, "Look, no, we're gonna we're gonna show it, you know, in good light of you." And and you know, I'm like, ah. Are you it's sure? <laughs> they actually yeah. did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. So props to them. So is that a thing where you were like, were you one of a few vendors or they just happened to have you, you know, they just happened to put that part in? They just, they just used me. I mean, 
Did they know that you were like, I mean, at this time, did you have connections with like Discovery or anything like that? Did they know any of that stuff? No, no, this was, yeah, this was before I did any other, uh, any other stuff with like Shark Week or anything. Yeah, they just, they just attracted you. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I mean, you know, I like, he's like, yeah, I'm going to go to the biggest and the best. And then he comes to my table. I'm like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) cool. Even though I wasn't the biggest or the best there, but. Uh, but it was nice that he said that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So were you like, it looks like you had a table filled with venomous reptiles. So were you like, uh, how so that, were you producing and all that stuff? Well, so that table was actually um, shared with uh, two other guys. So I, I had, you know, a small group of stuff um, and, and they had most of the stuff. So it just uh, one of the guys uh, from grad school. Um, he, you know, he started a, a small reptile business too. So um, Sam Gary. So I was with him, and uh, and uh, you know, had that little table. So, but yeah, I, I never I never bred on a large scale, uh, especially venomous, because there's no there's no point for me to mm-hmm. you know breed venomous because i'm not going to sell it to anyone who wants a venomous snake so. yeah it's like in order to sell i mean sell 200 snakes there needs to be 200 people that you trust right to get those snakes and venomous snakes are not they're not really worth that much no i mean it's you know that yeah it's not a it's not a you know a big market and you know like i said it's the you know the market's also overrun by a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, wild caught, you know, individuals and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not real big in, I, you know, I didn't breed reptiles for the longest time. I mean, I, I just, when I was, when I first got into it, so here's, here's the thing. When I first got into it, I didn't want to breed animals. I didn't want to breed the reptiles because I wanted one of each type of species. So for me, if I got a male, you know, if I got a male, uh, you know, Asian radiated rat snake, why would I get a female? I already got a male. I already got one of that species. So I just wanted to get as many different animals as I could. Um, that was my thing. Um, and I wasn't into the, well, back in the day, there wasn't all these morphs, but I wasn't really, I was more into, you know, the natural looking ones. And, you know, I, I got into the morphs later on. I was like, hey, you know, especially, you know, getting into the genetic side of it. I think that's pretty cool. And uh, like with you with the corn snakes, you know, the corn snakes are just like a, a color palette of, you know, craziness. So it's, yeah, for you, it's cobras. Cool. Pardon me? Except for you, there's cobras, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, black neck spitters, you know, red spitters. You know, I, I just, you know, I like those uh, species, you know, the different species. So for the longest time, you know, I, I, I just had the animals just to have them, not, to, not for any monetary value, not to breed them. Now, I breed more now, um, you know, dart frogs. And I actually need to separate my dart frogs because they're breeding too much. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that's different. That's different than venomous snakes. I think that speaks a lot to the mentality of the times in comparison as far as now. It's like I feel like, you know, you can't find anyone who has a serious snake collection who's not trying to at least make the money back in order to, you know, sustain their collection. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really where the dart frogs, um, you know, that's, I put, that's what I do with the dart frogs. I put that money back into getting other dart frogs and, or other vivariums, you know, other cages to build vivariums with, because you, you know, you know, as well, you have geckos, right? Yeah. And you have vivariums and you have the naturalistic setups with the um, cycled vivariums. I mean, sometimes it's more about the, the tank setup. <laughs> you know, I mean, my, my Ranitamea, I, I don't see them. I hear them calling all the time, but I don't see them hardly at all. But I see this lush tank, you know, it's, it's really cool. So, you know, a lot of that money goes back into buying, you know, rare plants, you know. Yeah, I got a, I that's just as much the plants for you. Yeah, yeah. I got a Platycerium uh, rid- ridleyi, um, which is a, a type of staghorn. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, man, I, I have that thing in an in a insect net outside because it's real hot and humid now outside. So I have it in an insect net uh, so it doesn't get insects on it. And then I got, um, it, you know, distilled water for it. I got a fan. I got these little fans blowing on it I got <laughs> just for this one plant, you know. That is nuts. So I didn't know that you got to basically maintain this thing like you would any animal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if, if and in, if an insect gets to that growth point, you'll kill the plant. Now in the wild, those plants there, they're actually uh, uh, similar to a lot of the uh, ant ferns. So ants will actually um, take root, you know, or take nest in their in their root structure, and they'll actually help defend the uh, plant. Uh, kind of mutualistic uh, type uh, um, relationship there. And, uh, you know, here we don't have the ants that, that will actually, uh, um, take root in them. So you gotta, and also the ants bring in debris and stuff that aids in, uh, fertilization of that plant as well. But, and these but yeah, things they like grow off of trees. Yeah. They don't yeah. Like grow out of the ground. Yeah. They grow off a of tree. They're epiphytic. So, um, you'll see uh, the staghorns growing off of trees like that. Whoa, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're cool. So, and the Ridley eye, it's it's a little bit more difficult to uh, to grow, um, just because it can get root rot real bad. So you don't want to overwater it, but you need to give it high heat and high humidity. So, you know, whenever you have a plant that needs high humidity, uh, but not a whole lot of water, it's you know, it can be a little bit tricky. That's rough. Yeah. 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 And uh, you know, a lot of epiphytic plants are like a, a bromeliads you know you put a bromeliad in a vivarium you need to give it some some sort of uh, uh air you know airflow um because it can rot out pretty quick hmm. see that's what i have not perfected is keeping plants in vivariums yeah yeah I they're rather poorly <laughs> <laughs> but it, it you know it's fun it's cool you know um and there's some cool plants out there man uh, jewel orchids those are really cool they kind of electric bolts on them you know uh, they're they're pretty neat. Um, there, there's all kinds of cool stuff, but uh, yeah, what I what I recommend uh, to a lot of people that start a dart frog tank is get like Wandering Jew or get uh, Potho plants. Uh, start out with them because what you want is you want a, a good uh, cycled tank. So um, you know someone can say, well, I got I got a bioactive. Yeah, the jeweler can do that's sweet. Dude, that's cool. It's thunderbolt yeah. going all throughout like the veins of the leaves. Yeah, that's that's a 
a really cool plant. Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is um, to get a good cycled tank. So um, not only throwing in isopods and springtails and that sort, but you know, get a good uh, foundation going. Um, set up a tank for, you know, get it set up for a month before you get dart frogs and and let it cycle and and uh, you know, usually the plants you know need a little bit time to to acclimate. Plants are plants are just like animals, man. When it comes to acclimation, um, you know, I, I've gotten plants in, uh, you know, in shipments, and I'm like, oh man, the thing's gonna die. It just goes downhill because it's in a, a totally different environment. And then you know, after you know a couple months, it, it rebounds. You know, you know, it's kind of like a you know getting an animal shipped in. When you get that animal, it's not gonna be at its you know healthiest state when you first get it, but after time, if you you know, give it the right, you know, right needs, then it'll do good. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on and teaching us yeah, all man. about sharks and all that stuff. So uh, what's the future of what you're doing with sharks? I mean, do you have anything planned in the future? Well, after this COVID thing, <laughs> you know, it gets, uh, you know, once we get a vaccine and, and you know, we, we get this under control, uh, then I think we're going to start doing some more, um, eco tours that's how bill gates microchips you bro come on uh, yeah right exactly yeah i gotta watch out for that (laughs) (laughs) you sheep yeah yeah but uh but yeah yeah just uh you know we're waiting to see how everything goes and then um just getting people out and and trying to um educate people and the, the biggest thing is education because at one point I was scared to death of snakes when I was really, really little. I was fascinated by them, but I was scared to death of them. Uh, scared to death of tarantulas, you know, and scorpions when when I was younger. And what got me over my fear is to learn as much as I could about them and to to get the animals. And you know, and and obviously you're not going to you know go out and and catch a shark and put a shark in a in an aquarium you know that's a big shark but uh but getting out around them learning about them um getting your toes wet you know and just being around those animals being more comfortable um will will give you a, a better respect for those animals and i think that's what you know is needed uh in conservation is to you know get out behind the you know, computer and go out into the field and, and see these animals and see their beauty for what they are and to respect them, you know? Um, and that's, that's what we're all about is, is trying to get people excited. You know, I, I have people all the time. They're like, Oh, I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I was like, spend a day with me and you won't hate them. Um, and I used to do, uh, um, do reptile talks at local schools you know, bring in all these animals and, and, you know, get people relaxed around them. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what's needed. You know, more of that. Absolutely. So if anyone wants to get in touch with you, wants to learn more about jungle to see or OCs or anything that you got going on, where can they find you? So I'm not super active on it right now. Um, so if you do go to like jungle, jungle to see on Instagram, uh, Facebook, um, shoot me a message if you have a question. I, I'm like I said, I'm not super active on it right now. Um, OC's Conservation Foundation is www. 
O-S-E-A-S-F-D-N.org. You can go there and uh, check out what's going on there. And uh, you can see um, about Craig and what he's doing. And um, I know Horizon Horizon Charters uh, was doing something with Craig and doing great white shark diving in Guadalupe. Um, that is cage diving. You can't free dive in Guadalupe with great whites. So, um, but that would be an experience of a lifetime. So, but yeah, my, my jungle to sea, uh, website is, um, I'm redoing that right now. So, um, usually it's uh, jungle to sea.com, but, um, right now the uh, webpage is, is being re revamped. So. Gotcha. And that jungle and the number two, number two. Jungle to see. Um, but like I said, uh, if you hit me up on Facebook uh, or Instagram, then uh, that's that's the best way to get a hold of me now. Cool. And if anyone wants to get a hold of me, Port City Pet, Instagram, portcitypet.com, Port City Pythons Podcast on YouTube, all that good stuff from the Ground Up Podcast. You're listening to it right now, so you're here. So thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you, Ryan, for coming on. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Of course, and uh, happy week to to everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's all it's awesome getting out there and talking about different you know different kinds of animals and getting out of the old comfort zone. Yeah, yeah, and watch and, and continue to watch Shark Week because Craig is uh, he has a couple more shows on this week towards the end of the week. So that's wild. So he's doing multiple shows. And oh he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah he he does really good with Shark Week. Yep, definitely. Uh, Definitely give Craig O'Connell support. So awesome. Ryan, again, thank you. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. All right, bye. Thanks.